You're listening to the heartbeat of the University of Maryland, Baltimore, the UMB Pulse. The University of Maryland, Baltimore has its own picturesque and historic wedding and event venue in Cecil County named the Donaldson Brown Riverfront Event Center. It features 16 bedrooms, a carriage house with 10 additional bedrooms, two floors, a commercial kitchen, and breathtaking views overlooking the Susquehanna River at 200 Mount Ararat Farm Road in Port Deposit. So who is Donaldson Brown? Why is it part of UMB? And how can you stay there? Here to answer these questions and more are business services specialist Jennifer Coolahan and executive director of auxiliary services Robert Milner. Welcome to The Pulse. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited you, to have a good conversation today. It's a beautiful piece of property overlooking the Susquehanna River in Port Deposit, conveniently located off of Interstate 95. We touched on some highlights of the mansion in our intro, but Jen, give us a full splendor of what the grounds and mansion includes. So the grounds have the mansion, which has over 40 rooms, uh, four floors if you count the attic and the basement. It has a greenhouse that was originally built in 1939. It has the carriage house, which used to be the stables for the horses. There is a built-in stream-fed swimming pool that uh, dumps into the Susquehanna River, and it is located 200 feet above the Susquehanna that you can see directly off of I-95. I think it's interesting because I've driven up 95 for so many years of my life and always looked off to the left when you're crossing over the Tidings Memorial Bridge and seeing the house up there. It's just beautiful. And now here we are talking about it today, and it's actually part of UMB. So we should note that the mansion's second and lower level are also accessible through an elevator, right? Correct. There's actually three floors that we access through the elevator. But for our guests, the first floor, the second floor, when you stay overnight in the bedrooms, does have an elevator access. And that elevator was original to the house. So let's dive in a little bit more about the house and talk about the architecture and what it looks like inside. What's the style of home and and what's the kind of decor? So the house is built in what's known as the Georgian style of architecture. So on the front, when you're looking at the house, it looks very symmetrical. It is one of the last houses built in this style because when Donaldson had the house built, that style was kind of out and done and on the way out. But he liked it. He enjoyed the houses in Virginia that are similar to that. So when he built this one, he followed that motif. And when you first come up to the house, the first thing you notice is there is a giant pineapple on top of the house as he welcomed his guests to come there. And then when you go in the grand entrance and you see the Susquehanna room, the conference room that's there, and you can go off either your right or your left, and there's gorgeous spiral staircases, but no two rooms are alike. So every room has a different size measurement. There's different moldings in every room, the way that they're set out. There's medallions in some room, hand-painted wallpaper in another. So everywhere you go is like an art piece in each and every room. It definitely felt exquisite, <laughs> I guess you could say. And it had that like air of somebody with taste and, and money. And, and he did. And we actually have records of who the architect and who the landscape architect was, the interior designer, the ironworks. When Donaldson had this house built in the 30s, he spared no expense. We have original records from the fireplaces and he, he would send it back and say, no, I want this one redone again. So all the fireplaces are completely different. And he paid his workers $1.25 an hour versus the normal $1.10 because he wanted the best. So let's talk about Donaldson Brown 
the man. Who was he and, and what brought him here? Donaldson Brown was an industrialist and he's not well known throughout the state. But when you dive into his history, he was born in Baltimore in 1885 and he was smart. And when I say he was smart, he went to Virginia Tech at age 13. He graduated when he was 17. To my knowledge, to this day, he is the youngest person ever to graduate from there. Uh, when he got out, he went through a couple of different jobs, but his cousin, Hamilton Barksdale, got him a job at DuPont. And this is at a time when DuPont was doing more of your explosives and munitions and things like that. So while he was there, DuPont's looking at getting into the lacquer and the plastics business, which is kind of what we know them for today. And they didn't have a model for how that investment would give them the return for their stakeholders. So Donaldson, he was a sales rep and then he was an accountant. He wasn't very high up the chain, but he made something which we call the return on investment. And we use it today to say, is your investment going to bring you back the return that you need? So he created that, impressed the president of DuPont, worked his way up. Eventually, he was even the treasurer. And then they, they got together with General Motors and he worked for them as well. Wikipedia is out there and, and people can learn all sorts of things, but you never know where the citations come from. I should note for anyone looking Donaldson Brown up online, it will say return on equity, but you're saying return on investment. And I understand you have a little bit of research for that. Correct. When Donaldson passed away, all of his papers, even some of his etchings that his wife did and the embroidery, all went to the Hagley Museum, which is in Delaware. If you wanted further information, he wrote a book, Reminiscence of an Industrialist. All of that is at the Hagley Museum. And they're the ones, if you go to the Hagley website, they will even explain the return on investment. There's photos that can be seen there and further information. And so this was uh, during his time at DuPont, right? And then later worked for General Motors. Correct. Which... I never knew until last night how much DuPont was intertwined with General Motors, just as, as part of history, where DuPont invested money and had people on their board as GM. So it was almost like he worked for the same company throughout his, his entire career. <laughs> he did. And he actually, even when he retired from DuPont, he stayed on the board at GM and he was there till 1946, I believe. He stayed with it for a very long time. Yeah. That was the time period. So to kind of understand this era, that was when the car companies ruled the world. It was all car companies in Hollywood and they had all the money. So there's photos of him on the steps of the White House. And it's rumored that he met with different presidents from Johnson and Rose about on down the line. And whether or not there's photos of that, I can't say, but he definitely was the 75th richest American of his time. Wow. As an aside, you mentioned his history with Virginia Tech. And I thought that was really cool that Virginia Tech even has a building named after him. Correct. He was the first chairman of the alumni board for Virginia Tech. And when he passed in 1965, he also gave them money as well to rebuild their center, which is known today as the Graduate Center in Virginia Tech. And they still use that building. And at one time I saw they did use the Donaldson Brown Hotel and Conference Center name for a period of time. So I'm sure that had been confusing. There, there have been a couple of people who ask that question. And is it the same? Because it's also this beautiful red brick building with columns. On top of the DuPont corporate connection, there's also DuPont family connection. So let's dive into that a little bit. In 1916, he married Greta DuPont Barksdale, and she was his cousin Hamilton Barksdale's daughter. And Hamilton's the one who got him the job at DuPont. Her sister was an artist, and actually some of the paintings of the family can be found at the mansion, the three children of Greta herself. There was a piece of art that I remember you pointing out, too, that was, that's interesting. There was what, about a wood etching? Correct. There is a wood 
artwork on the first floor that I have been told is able to be found in a few of the DuPont mansions. That's where I think a lot of this history is like fascinating. If there's anyone out there that can help research these things, and if there's anyone at these DuPont mansions and museums and properties that are all over the region that have knowledge that that could help us kind of make those connections. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would love any of that because the gist of the history that we have came from their daughter, Greta, and their daughter is also named Greta, but she wrote her memoirs, but she moved into that house when she was 12 years old. So a lot of her memories might not be 100% crystal clear clear, but we take a lot of what she says and that's our fact. How did this mansion go from Donaldson Brown to UMB? It's a great question. Education, as we talked about earlier, was supremely important to him. And upon his death in 1965, he willed 20 acres of his 800 plus acre estate to the University of Maryland, including the mansion, the stables, the greenhouse, the swimming pool, the pump house. So all of that went to the University of Maryland. And at the same time, he also willed money to Virginia Tech so they could also continue their education down there. Let's move away from history and and more to making new memories. How can someone stay at the mansion. Is it on Airbnb? Like, can they call you up? How how does this work? So although we do not book to individuals, um, it does allow for groups and overnight. So um, we have many weddings, many group events. We have some company retreats. We've also had some interesting requests. Some families have combined together and looked to rent the mansion for the week, which we're open to. We've also had some unnamed rock groups come to us and want to rent it for a significant amount of time because they're doing a concert in local areas. We've also had some groups from the outside that, you know, just want to get away for a while. And especially during COVID when cruises and things like that weren't going very well, we did get some unique requests. It's interesting. It's too bad we can't name them because it would be nice to have like Bruce Springsteen slept here, kind of like the George Washington signs everywhere. (laughs) Not saying Bruce Springsteen slept there. I have no clue. (laughs) I guess so. We can dream, right? (laughs) And if you think about it, when you're doing a concert. I know some of the groups stay for weeks or months at a time. That's not a bad place to come back to. Yeah, definitely. And we talked a lot about the house itself and what the amenities of the house are, but the grounds are absolutely beautiful. Like you look over the cliff and you have this gorgeous view of the Susquehanna and it would honestly be a perfect place for a wedding venue. What is the process for people who want to rent out Donaldson Brown for a wedding? So it's funny when Dana was mentioning earlier about people seeing it from the 95 bridge, I will tell you that three of our wedding requests this year are people who literally were driving across the bridge and said, I want my wedding there. So we just had one on Saturday and he wanted his wedding there because they always saw it from the bridge. So for them, they had to Google it and find us. Um, There's a website, donaldsonbrown.com. But a lot of the requests we get either come from wedding sites like The Knot or Wedding Wire or directly from the website because you can email directly from that site. And then once they email us, we send them the information that they're looking for and they come in for a tour. And we absolutely love the tour. You take an hour, you come in with your spouse, mother, a friend, whatever makes you happy, and you walk the property and see if it fits you. Because you get there, you look at Port Deposit, you look at the bridge, and you look at the Susquehanna, you're 200 feet up, and it's breathtaking. Like, the place sells itself. It is so amazing. It's like stepping back in history, and we're so proud of it. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. And for people who don't have a chance to actually go out there, our office, OCPA, made this awesome video showing a whole entire tour of the facility and like the outdoor area. And it really, it feels like you're flying when you're standing on the edge of that cliff over the Susquehanna. It's beautiful. It looks like it's so big that you can have your wedding inside or outside. And also talk about 
how beautiful it is at sunset. Maybe you should take a tour at sunset. It's funny that you say that. We had a wedding a month or two ago and they had their photographer leave before sunset. Oh my gosh. And then sunset started happening and all of the guests who were, it was an outdoor wedding in a tent and all of the guests just congregated over more towards Port Deposit and just started taking selfie after selfie because watching the sun go down and the sky turns orange, you can see some of the pictures on the website. They're not doctored at all. That is truly the way it looks when that sun goes down. I might be mistaken, Jennifer, but I thought last time we were out there a couple of weeks ago, there was a bride that had a uh, tour scheduled and that they wanted to make sure that it was scheduled with the sunset. And unfortunately, Smart. it was the, the clouds and the uh, pending rain didn't oh. accommodate, so oh. we had to change that. But yeah, it's interesting you say that you would actually build that around their schedule. It, it is the perfect backdrop for portraits. I used to be a photographer and just that whole scene looking over the river, it's just so beautiful and peaceful and just has such great light and such great visuals behind. So it's a shame that family missed that. We actually had a uh, marine wedding uh, over the summer and they had their chairs set up right by the flag, which people may know also see when they come over the 95 bridge there. And that was really nice. That's awesome. That's great. What else is super important is food. So can you talk about some of the commercial kitchen and catering opportunities that you all have for different events that happen at Donaldson Brown? Sure. So we do have a commercial uh, kitchen. Uh, the caterers love it. They're able to come in and utilize it, heat food or do whatever they need prior. We also do have a staff on hand that have catered uh, weddings as well. They also provide for the breakfast the next morning. Uh, we also have tons of rooms available, um, not only the main dining room and the conference rooms during it, but they're also able to overflow into many other rooms that Jennifer had spoken about. I may be mistaken, but I think there's like 16 rooms, even though we call it the rooms that never end because <laughs> there's 16 main. But once you start down that track, it just seems like they never end. Oh, I know. It's like a rabbit hole. I walked it before and I was like, wait, is this is hallway end. I feel like I'm in The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, with the holidays, too, when I toured the place, I just came with a million ideas in every room. Like, wouldn't it be great to just like decorate that mansion for Christmas or, or Hanukkah and just have trees and everything in there? They do have a really large tree that they put up come winter. Wow. And then we do a, we do a brunch. We do a holiday brunch at the beginning of December, which is the one time where like anybody can come. We had people from the university come before and they'll come up. But the tree is, you've seen how high the ceilings are and the tree almost hits the ceilings. And it's the first thing you see when you walk in. The best place to be at that time of year. Yeah. So is that brunch good. open to the public? It is. It is. So it's going to be December 4th this year. And if there's enough interest, we might even go the week after. We haven't really decided yet, but um, you get to taste. Evelyn's delicious cookings. We did a waffle bar, which was super <laughs> cool because you let a bunch of people take whipped cream and syrup and toppings and they make their own blueberry sauce and stuff like that. Oh, so we good. did things like that. So not 100% sure what they're going to whip up this year, but we are definitely having a brunch in December. Keep my eye out for sure. Yeah. So talking about the holidays, Robert, what else, what other things do you do to make the place really look special? So that's a good point. Thank you. So we actually put down a garland down the stairwells. And if you've ever been or if you've been on the video that was mentioned earlier, you'll see the picturesque stairwells that go up to the next level. When we put the garland down it and compass with the tree, it really makes a nice background picture. Uh, we've had numerous people would like to get their pictures taken there. And you're, you're calling it a stairwell, but they're actually these two enormous staircases that are open. They're spiral. They're, they're so breathtaking. There's windows along the stairs. So. It looks like something Cinderella left her slipper on pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say it looks like one of those like 
like 1940s movies where like someone's coming down the stairs. And, and with that symmetry of the house, one curves right and one curves left. So if you ever really look at them, one goes one way, one goes the other. It's funny, though, that you bring that up about the areas that go around there. Myself and our maintenance chief, John, out there was out in the yard one day, pre-wedding planning. Uh, and the group had gotten out there. And the, I believe the mom of the bride or the mom of the groom had said, how do you guys do all this by yourself? And John looked over the river and said, when you have a view like this, and it's the same for in the house. When you have that view every day, it makes you want to come to work as far as seeing the building, knowing what it looks like, knowing the potential of it. Right. So that's always huge for the staff out there. Yeah, it is beautiful. Are there any other types of events that you would be open to hosting or even entertaining conversations about? Sure. So this weekend we're having a women's retreat. So, you know, that we've had women's retreat as well as spiritual groups in the past that have rented it because if you want that quiet spiritual feeling, obviously the grounds and the mansion itself provides that. We also have everything from bridal showers to meditation groups overnight. We have a holiday brunch that Jennifer had mentioned. We're also interested in doing a murder mystery dinner. We feel like Ooh, this what a perfect setting for that. <laughs> really yes. That's what we all said. It'll take us back to the game of Clue. Uh -huh. But we all want to be invited for sure. Yes. So put us on that. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of perfect because you guys have like a billiards room and a parlor right. and right. a fridge and, and a dining room. A little mustard. And <laughs> right. Mrs. Peacock. <laughs> exactly. Maybe, maybe we could reenact that Hulu show, Only Murderers in the Building, do a podcast. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> oh, but around the murder mystery party? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll just well, podcast the entire murder mystery. Perfect. <laughs> Who should someone reach out to to partner? If you don't mind, I'll back up. We're still, nope. we have more. So Keep going. We're looking at doing acoustic music out on the lawns. That's something that we think has a lot of potential. And we also hold Cecil County Chamber meetings there. We've also done business card exchanges. We've done anniversaries. We've also done, we had someone inquire about, was it a 90th birthday or a 100th birthday? The lady was going to throw it for herself. And then we do junior and senior proms out there as well. That's incredible. If somebody is interested in booking or partnering with you to host an event, how would they go about doing that? So you have a couple of different options for that. We are a little old school. And if you call the number, you'll get Sue or Evelyn right away during the, the week. You can always go to the website, donaldsonbrown.com. And there is a place there where you can email directly to the Donaldson Brown email and it'll come directly to them. You can go on the wedding websites if wedding is what you're looking for, of course, and go through that way as well. Sounds good. Let's change gears for a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the interesting quirks of of the mansion. You mentioned the pineapples earlier, so I know that's a thing. Tell us about the pineapples. So there are multiple pineapples that can be found throughout the house. And when I first went up there, I didn't even notice the one on the roof, which silly me, but you'll notice the door knocker is a pineapple. And then maybe you'll notice that there's pineapples on one of the chandeliers. And then maybe you'll notice that it's in a picture and the posters on different beds. So how many pineapples there are is actually a mystery even to us because every time we count, we then find a new one. So then we have to recount again. So the question is, how many pineapples are there? And they were very welcoming. Their family was phenomenally welcoming. Howard Hughes has been there. They sold their yacht to him. Oh as we, we, they had weddings up there. The daughter Greta got married up there. So they, they enjoyed entertaining. They enjoyed people coming in. They had garden tours and things like that. So welcoming was a big part of it. I mentioned the wallpaper that's in the breakfast room. So it's this hand-painted Chinese wallpaper that they originally had. So when you look at it, there's no repeating scenes like you see in wallpaper usually. If you ever get a chance, I know you guys have seen it, but it's absolutely spectacular to see because the ceilings are so high and the paper goes all the way up to the crown molding that's in that room. In the dining room, there's the medallions on the ceiling and the original chandelier that comes down. The crystal chandelier is absolutely breathtaking. There is the 1929 
uh, Steinway piano that they moved up in that little elevator and got to the second floor. Oh. I wasn't there when they did it, but it's very impressive to see. There are dressing rooms in the two women's bedrooms. So they have, I always think of the sound of music and they're getting dressed <laughs> right, and right. they yeah, have these giant favorite. mirrors and you open them up and they have drawers that were built in. And it's amazing. There's a laundry chute that we do use from what I guess is considered the second floor, but it has to go all the way down to the basement. There's a dumbwaiter that we use to this day to bring the groceries up and down when we come in. There are original paintings, as I mentioned before, that Greta's sister had done. The vault in the basement, which I know that Dana loves. There is a giant vault in the basement that when back in the dark ages and the different groups like the FBI or the CIA would come, they would keep their papers in there and the vault wasn't enough. So they put a safe inside the vault to lock up all their papers. And that small safe that's in our giant vault, correct me if I'm wrong, Robert, but we can't open that to this day. And we're not really sure what's in there. No, and I don't think we want to because it keeps the story going on what could Right. Be wow. That's interesting. It's a mystery. Wow. I think there's like someone maybe from the History Channel should come out with like a uh, yeah, or you can pick a lock or something. Or some special little microscope that you can, not microscope, right. but a scope that you could somehow see what's in there. Right, That's like right. a doctor, you put it in your ears, yeah. and you hear it as right. you turn yeah. the tumbler. that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, what about the walls? I know you told me a story about why they're all concrete, right? So when they built the house, Donaldson Brown, his original house, which was in Irving on the Hudson in New York, it had burned in the 20s. Um, his children were saved by his staff and it scared him. It scared him a lot. So when he built this house atop the mountain, he did what they call skyscraper construction. Correct, Robert? Correct. If you go to the top of the attic, you actually see the steel beams that you would also see when they were building the uh, skyscrapers up in Chicago and some of the biggest cities. And if you look online at the time the house was built, so he bought the property in 1936 from Dr. Franz. Dr. Franz actually ran for president of the United States against Herbert Hoover, just to give you a little bit of history. So if you look at who was ruling the world then and where the political climate was, there was a fear of a world war coming. So when he was building the house, he was making sure that house would withstand anything that might actually happen here. He built it to last in case of fire. There's even, as we were talking about unique features, there's a fire escape, which is unheard of in most mansions, but you go in, there's a fire escape to get from the top all the way down. And the concrete walls, actually, I may be mistaken, are anywhere from 18 to two feet thick, especially if you go down in the basement, you can see that. Goodness. That's incredible. Wow. Having lived through two house fires in my life, I think that sounds like a really smart idea. You did mention the attic, Jen. So having been up there, can we talk a little bit about what that attic space is like? Because I think of a creaky little old attic where you have to duck when you walk around. It's humongous. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up there also. <laughs> Everything's so big in that house and done well. So it has the the peak of the roof is up there and it has these beautiful circle windows with really interesting window panes and you can see them when you first pull in. But the space up there, it, it's like you said, Dana, it's ginormous and they even built in where you would think it's a wall. You can open all those up and those are cupboards and we keep furniture and things in there. The attic is impressive and there's even a ladder and I know Robert's gone out and he's been brave enough to go up there and you can stand on the roof. I'm not that brave, but yeah. you can go up that ladder and you can stand on the, where there's a flat part of the roof and even a better view. Yeah, I actually went up there and I think one of the most impressive things about Donaldson Brown is just how you can see the Susquehanna from so many places. There's so many vantage points, and that is one of the best ones in the mansion. You just see for miles and miles. It's stunning. 
I wouldn't know. <laughs> I go up there. I don't blame you. I did go up there also and was terrified. Because you're crazy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I was there. So I was like, okay, I might as well. I have to since I'm here. <laughs> so real quick, uh, speaking of like the wall features earlier and, and everything, mm-hmm. did we talk about the, the cow molding? We did not talk about the... Thank you for remembering that, <laughs> So when you first look at the molding, which is in what we call the Susquehanna room, it's one of our conference rooms, it just looks like this gorgeous white molding. But when you go up on it, you will notice that there are cow faces. And the reason for that is when he bought the 700 acres from Dr. France, it was a dairy farm. So he bought it as a dairy farm and he kept it as a dairy farm. And it was actually one of the best in the nation. And he put cow molding on his balls. <laughs> That's so interesting and probably indicative of uh, my next question, which is about the carriage house. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of the carriage house? Sure. So it was, it was originally a stable. Um, for the horses. The university had turned it in, if you will, to like a dormitory when we had our school of dentistry clinics uh, up there that used to provide dental clinic services to the community up there. And it's also overflow for us. Um, We also believe there's potential for some educational uses is what we're looking at. And then we've had some groups that may be interested in renting it, as I mentioned before, from a spiritual side or from a more long-term side where they've had workers or additional staff that they would like to provide, not only the mansion, but also maybe where they could just come in and spend the night for a week or a month and then come up to the mansion for breakfast on certain days. Can, nice. can you detail a little bit about like the like the size and style of those rooms and how they compare to like the mansion rooms? Like maybe the carriage house would be better fit for, as you said, certain maybe groups. So it's more of a, the rooms in the carriage house are much smaller. There are a couple large ones in there, but they are much smaller. So it's more set for people that are going to be there on a continuous basis or for an overflow situation. So our mansion, obviously, if you're going to spend a couple of days there, we'd rather have you in a mansion. Yeah. And so each room was initially a horse stall. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they're most simpler. Exactly. Yeah. Minus the hay now. And the yeah. smell. Yeah. Okay, good. I was going to say, with the size I was thinking, this would be perfect for like a little kid's camping kind of getaway. It's like I had like outdoor school and everyone had like bunk beds, like you know, that smaller type of room. They're just kids and then they can come out for activities and everything. And the upstairs is one giant rec room that goes atop all of the bedrooms and it has furniture and a small kitchen and things like that as well. Yeah, so perfect. And unless I'm mistaking, the actual hoist, if you will, for the original stable is still up in that room that Jennifer had mentioned at the other end on the second level. So we've opened up the doors, so to speak, on how they used to get the hay and other things inside the uh, carriage house. Awesome. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Earlier, we talked about the Hollywood set features a little bit, but how do people find the property and, and as far as wanting to use it for maybe a, a production? So that's a good uh, question. We've actually had a Apple TV contact us and they were looking at doing things because of the era that it was built. It provides many advantages as far as what the background and what the rooms may be. There's a carriage on the front drive. So if somebody wanted to bring an actual carriage up for filming, it would be back actually like it was back in the old days. So we could get that with the back uh, drop in the evening, especially with the sunlight that we talked about before. We also, the construction, um, it's all original. And the windows, the uh, as Jennifer mentioned in the carriage house, actually the stables have been enclosed and the window itself has the air conditioner for each unit. So it's all original that we've taken and we continue to do that. 
Yeah. The interior of the mansion is just so spectacular. And I think any sort of like interior scenes that maybe a movie or a TV show would, would need, I, I think would be spectacular. When the gentleman from Apple TV came, they were actually looking for a post-Civil War house, which the Civil War was open over in 1865. So our house doesn't really fit. And we knew that when he came up, but he was so in love with the house and the way it was done. He was just trying to convince his producer that this is the house that you want, because we don't have any many, we don't have many modern amenities. So other than like the fire standard that we had to have, other than that, it's completely original. And then I think Charles, to follow up on yours, I've always envisioned, and maybe it's just me, high school or one of our grades, we had to read The Great Gatsby. And you can think back in there. And when we're in the big conference room and from time to time, when we take the conference tables out, like for instance, this wedding, we had taken them out. You can just picture the people in the big gowns dancing. It's just that kind of room. And then you have the parlor right next to it. That would be a great scene for a movie or a show or something that would need something like that. And actually, we didn't even mention we have the game room. So in the game room, which was initially built to be that, it has the pool table and it has the shuffleboard and it's got this gorgeous wood paneling and a giant fireplace with a painting over it. And it's probably one of my most favorite rooms in the house because it looks the way you would imagine this fabulous game room to look without all your electric video games of today. There's literally probably a story in every room. Here you go. That's yeah. perfect. So speaking of stories for every room, it is Halloween time. We're in October. So are there any ghosts or paranormal activities, any sort of uh, good Halloween story you, you could share? So there's some of us that are used to the noises that the house make, and then there are some of us that aren't. And I'll <laughs> let Jennifer comment on that. So things only tend to happen when you're alone in the house. But it happens every time that you're alone. In <laughs> um, there are stories. Um, Sue and Evelyn definitely have stories of different things that have happened and things that have moved in different rooms. And again, it was built by the Browns and their family lived there until their death. It's definitely possible things that could have happened in the house. And with the murder mystery that we were talking about doing, they so want us to do a ghost tour when it's done and then have people spend the night. And I just think that is the scariest thing I've ever heard in my life. So what kind of noises are we talking about? So you hear a vibrating crystal rattle and it's very loud and it's constant, but you only hear it when you are alone, either in the library or in the main hall. And Jennifer, you've heard this. I'm not saying I heard this, <laughs> but maybe I heard this. <laughs> and Robert, I'm going to guess you haven't heard it. You well, seem a I will more say skeptical. that the first time I was in there by myself one evening, it was late and the sun had went down and I was still doing some things. I will say that all of a sudden with scary movies when we were a kid and you're always like yelling at the TVs, get out of the house. <laughs> I thought about what am I doing in here? But I said, you you know what? Should I call somebody? I said, no, there's nothing to fear in this place. If I drove home tonight, it would still be here tomorrow. So there's nothing going on with that. So I stayed in there. But I will tell you, it's very unique to be in that place by yourself. I, I don't yeah. think I would want to do that. <laughs> I'm kind of scared to be at my parents' house by myself. <laughs> they have a big house, but it's not... You know, and I definitely would not be walking down to the bank vault or the attic if I was there nope. alone. Or the giant boiler in the basement they eat you you've seen these in the movies right like they oh, make the gosh. noises and they open and they shut ours is huge so it's pretty scary down there but you do bring up a good point then i think when you're alone in the house you have to walk to the farthest room and then once you've conquered that 
anything else will go with it. It's okay. Okay. I'm looking forward to hearing, I know, Jennifer, pre-COVID, you were trying to plan a girls weekend up there. So I'm really looking forward to that happening sometime in the future because everything you've talked about sounds so beautiful and so fun. And Jenna and I and Charles, we've all been there, but I think to experience it in a different way would be fun and entertaining. I agree. And there are some bedrooms that I definitely would love to have as my own for the night. And all new bedding, right? Yes. We have Hilton mattresses. We're so excited about that. And we have 16 bedrooms. But in those 16 bedrooms, um, we have space for with 25 different beds from kings and queens on down the line. Bring the entire family, your cousins and in-laws and <laughs> anyone else you could imagine. So uh, thank you so much, Jennifer and Robert, for being here. To learn more about Donaldson Brown Riverfront Event Center, visit DonaldsonBrown.com or call 410-378-2555. The UMB Pulse with Charles Shalade and Dana Rampola is a UMB Office of Communications and Public Affairs production. Edited by Charles Shalade, marketing by Dana Rampola. 